Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. Have we gotten to this point where people wake up every morning looking for something to be offended about? I live in this place called the real world, and I understand what is going to happen. Her story is, I was trying to scare him away. At the same time, she shot him point blank in the face. Okay, that's not exactly a warning shot. The Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. Coming up next, Squirrel. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. So glad to have you with us. All right, two, two program announcements. Veterans Day is Monday, November 11th, two weeks from yesterday. This Saturday, and I have been a part of this for many years, if you happen to be in the Waukesha area, we would like to invite you to participate in an event put on by the city of Waukesha. It's called Operation Honor, a salute to veterans. Uh, the doors open at 3.30 on Saturday afternoon. It's going to be at the Schutze Recreation Center, which is on Baxter Street in downtown Waukesha. Um, doors open at 3.30. The program begins at 4.30. I am the, the master of ceremonies, as I've been for a number of years now. The uh, keynote speaker is going to be Major General uh, Donald Dunbar. There's going to be a performance by the 484th Army Band, uh, the, the mayor of Waukesha, of course, will be there as well. It's a fast-paced presentation. There's great patriotic music. It's a way to say thank you to veterans. And then afterwards, there is um, there, there's a free meal that, that's provided. I think this year it's it's chili that they have for everybody. And um, we, we invite everybody to come. It's free of charge. Thank a veteran. Bring a veteran that you know. Like I say, this is the seventh or eighth year that they have done it. They put on just a, a wonderful tribute and uh, each year it gets bigger and bigger. So if you happen to be in that area, Saturday afternoon, program begins at 4.30, doors open at 3.30, Operation Honor, the city of Waukesha. I'm going to be the MC, and it's always my great pleasure to do that. Then next Tuesday, we're going to start running uh, notifications for this. Next Tuesday, 9.30 in the morning, Potawatomi. I'm going to be the celebrity bingo caller. Yes, 9.30 in the morning. It's part of uh, their, their big thing that they do You know, every year, the, the heart of Canal Street and special spaces, and they, they donate proceeds from certain bingo games. And I'm going to be down there calling bingo. I did this once before, Gru, who's producing the show today and always. And you want to talk about a pressure-packed thing. It's, it's not... It's not that you get nervous being in front of like large numbers of people. That that's that's not it for for me at all. It's that the the bingo crowd can be noticeably, noticeably they, they can turn on you really quick if Lord forbid you ever get something wrong or if you don't move at the right pace. They, they break really bad on you. So it's a pressure packed thing. Now, I've never been the, the MC for a bingo, but I've won some bingo games. And the second you win, you just get spattered with booze and everything. Oh, and- oh absolutely. And when you're and when you're the caller, you know, and I mean people, you know, people that they want those numbers, they want them right away. They, the Potawatomi has a system there. So this is this is not. A, th- I did not lightly agree to do this. Like I said, I did it once several years ago and it, and it went fine other than the fact lot of pressure on you to, to deliver the goods yeah there's an expectation um there, there there is there is i i once i've only played 
my my mom passed away about 10 years ago. My mom used to love to go to bingo and stuff, and, and we, we did that with her. But now it's all changed. Uh, sometime in the last year or so, some friends wanted to go to Potawatomi for bingo, and we went. And it's just it's completely different now. You you Most people, you, you like buy a computer that's like preloaded with the cards and it automatically, you know, it it automatically enters the number. So those days of sitting there with like the 15 cards and the daubers and in doing that, those are pretty much gone. Some people do that, but I wasn't hardcore enough to do it. But in any event, um, Tuesday morning at 930, I said to uh, I said to my wife, Fran, I said, you want to come down and watch this? She said, I would not miss this for the world. <laughs> you know, and I said, oh, OK, so 930. But that's Tuesday morning. Uh, proceeds go to charity. We're going to be running promos for that as well. So if you happen to be thinking, hey, I'm looking for something to do Tuesday morning and you're down playing bingo. All right. That will be me there. Operation Honor on Saturday um, as a prelude to Veterans Day. All right. A lot of stuff on today's program. Some serious stuff, some lighter stuff, some local stuff, some statewide stuff, some national stuff. Lots of ground to cover. Let us get started on kind of a lighter note. Now, a couple weeks ago, I admit I made fun mercilessly of the decision that the Brewers have made to their Friday's is leaving the Friday front row sports grill that's at Miller Park is leaving there's a new restaurant going in there I, I think it's going to be run by the people that that do like the food for for the stadium I have never been a big fan of Friday's, so I think almost anything is going to be improvement an improvement except for the fact that you know they they decided that the name they're going to call this like you know sometimes when you have a player trade it's a player to be named later they say it's going to be a restaurant to be named later that's what the name of the restaurant is at least that's what the brewers are saying thus far in other words they're going to shorten it to later so we're going to later for dinner something like that 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 would be the idea now i i got to believe that this is part of maybe some sort of like marketing thing to generate buzz because i i really can't believe that the folks at the Brewers, who I think are pretty good when it comes to marketing, would come up with such a really lame name for a restaurant. But, you know, who, who knows? But anyways, I, I admit we I'm, I started the bandwagon, but pretty much everybody made fun of that as, as a, a name because it's just the dumb name, if, if that's truly what it is. It, it's like the people that when they were trying to come up with a new nickname, nickname for the Marquette Warrior men's basketball team because we couldn't have Warriors because that was politically incorrect, they came up with the idea of the Marquette Gold. And they actually, you had some high-priced public relations people that were sitting in the room that like signed off on or suggested the Marquette Gold. Really? All right, so to me, later fits into that category. But, but that... That doesn't mean that just because just because you, you swing and you miss on something doesn't mean that you can't hit the next pitch out for a home run. All right, next year is the Brewers' 50th anniversary, right? And so lots of big celebrations that are going on. The reports that are now starting to leak out is that the Brewers are about to change their logo. And in this case, everything that's old is new again. And the reports, and this is kind of based on some like stuff that leaked out of like the Topps baseball card things and stuff. The word is that the Brewers are intending to go back to their old ball in the glove logo. 
Now, this was the logo that they used from 1978 until 1983, until 1993. You know, and it's the one where it's a ball and a glove, but if you look at it, you know what you're looking for. It's got an M and a B in it. You know, one of that old style logos. Now, they have used this on a on a handful of games and stuff over the last couple years. This is a logo that for many of us who, you know, grew up watching the Brewers, this was the logo that we really uh, identified with. The new logo that they're talking about has a couple variations from, it's a little more intense than the just the old standard, you know, M and B. It's got that, but it's also got um, Milwaukee Brewers on it, and it's got some more intricate stitching on the baseball. But essentially, this is going back to that old ball and glove logo. One segment, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Brewers are not out there confirming whether these rumors are true. I think this is one, though, the timing of the announcement can be whatever the timing of the announcement is. But for Brewers fans, I think this would be a great, great step forward and backward. One of my favorite Brewer shirts, actually two of my favorite Brewer shirts, have that logo on them. And I will tell you, there, there's not a lot that gets me to, I mean, I have lots of sports stuff. I've got all the Packers jerseys I need. i got all the Brewer stuff I need. But, you know, if they went back to this logo with the modifications, I would be one of the first people in line to buy some sort of new sweatshirt or T-shirt or other sort of shirt. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this would be a winner, and I hope these rumors are true. 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. One segment. Would this be a good move for the Brewers? Would you love to see them go back to this logo or some close variation of it? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. I tell you, if these rumors are true, that this is going to be the Brewers logo moving forward, going back to a modified version of the old M and B and the glove thing. I think it could not be a better idea. Jeff downtown. Jeff, good afternoon. Hi Jeff. Good afternoon. So yeah, I came of age uh, in nineteen seventy eight. I was twelve years old when the logo you know premiered and I've been in love with that logo ever since. I only own that logo on all my brewers gear. I never really cared for the M uh swoop with the barley right. on it, which is basically an homage to Miller Beer, you know, when Miller Park, you know, came into existence right. in two thousand. So I'm very excited about this. I'm super excited about the new uniforms. I'd like to see kind of a new, um, you know, look with the, the logo, kind of as it's incorporated with maybe some new color schemes or whatever. So I am really pumped about this. And with all the new things that are happening with the Brewers and how great I think next season is going to be for us, I think it's perfect time. So even though you've got all the Brewer paraphernalia, you really probably need, you know, if they go to this logo and there's new stuff coming out with it, you're going to buy something, right? Hey, you can never have enough enough swag. <laughs> so if it's a cup or a mug or a sweatshirt or yeah. a koozie, I will buy it. Yeah, me, I think, see, me, me too. See, one of the reasons they kind of tweak logos and change things is because they they want to continue to sell stuff. If you if you just if you didn't change the logo, if you didn't change the design year after year, you know, you have people that say, "Well, I don't need another Brewer sweatshirt. I don't need another Brewer T-shirt, or I don't need another Brewer whatever." But you know, if it's got the new logo, if it looks like something slightly different, it might induce you to say. Well, I don't really need it, but, you know, I'm a fan. I, I want it. I think this would be a huge marketing hit. Now, it is 
a little bit different than the old, you know, ball, the, the old M and B. But, but just, it's just a little bit different. Like I say, they've got, it's in a circle. Then the, the ball and glove is in the middle of the circle, and they've got Milwaukee Brewers around the circle. So it identifies that. And there's also some, again, some minor, minor things with the stitching and all. So it's slightly different, but just slightly different. I mean, it's clearly an homage to the original thing. And I think by making it just a slightly different, it updates it a little bit and probably inspires folks like me and like our last caller, Jeff, who have a, a lot of brewer swag, even a lot of brewer swag that has that old ball and glove on it to think that, you know, maybe we want to, you know, maybe we want to do it uh, again. Um, you know, no question. OK, here's a couple texts, Jeff. Um, uh, let's see. I OK, let's try it. Great. Um, I'm 50 years old. It takes me back to the first time the team was good back in 1982. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, here's another one. Jeff, bring back the Brewers guy wearing the wood bat, swinging the bat. Um, uh, well, wearing the wood barrel, swinging the bat. Well, that, that barrel man guy, you know, they, they use that for beer and stuff. I'm not sure that that's going to come back. Uh, Jeff, I've seen a hint of the logo. Hope they go with it. Simple. All ages can relate. Absolutely. Steven New Berlin. The ball and glove logo is the best logo in sports history, period. Bring it back unchanged. I do agree. I think it is. I'm not going to say it's the best sports logo in history, but I think it's one of the best. And I think that there's a huge market for it. And you don't have to bring it back completely unchanged. You can tweak it a little bit. And and that's what it appears they've done. Uh, again, I don't know about calling the restaurant later. I'm, I'm hoping that there's a better idea coming. But bringing back this logo, I think, is a huge, huge plus. And how many days is it till pitchers and catchers report? This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Every once in a while, there is a consequence to giving in to the politically correct and the perpetually offended. I have a story that I want to discuss with you that makes that point. Place is called this, Buffalo, New York, is where it com- this story comes from. But you know, it, th- this could be happening in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, certainly in Madison, Wisconsin. Could be happening anywhere, but it happened to happen in Buffalo last week. All right, there is a, a small company. It's called Lloyd Taco, and they, they have like a half dozen taco trucks. And you know that these mobile taco trucks, and you know how this works. The trucks will pick different locations, and they'll go out on a given day, and they'll set up. They do a big lunch business, and they'll set up outside different businesses or on various streets, and they'll sell tacos. So they they service the the, the community. So they also on their Twitter account they post where they're going to be because they're not at the same places all the time. They say, okay, this is where we're going to be today from 1030 until 130 or, or whatever. So they give notice. Well, last week, the one of the various taco trucks from Lloyd Taco decides that it is going to go out and it is going to set up outside the Buffalo office of the Department of Homeland Security, all right, which also happens to be a detention center. It's not a prison or anything like that. It's in in an urban area, but it's where Homeland Security workers work. So they send out on their Twitter notice that 
You know, they're going to be doing lunch service, and one of the places they're going to be is at the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. Okay, they're going to be there from 1030 to 130. And they go out, and they serve food to the various, you know, people who are in the neighborhood, not just people from Homeland Security, people who are working, you know, the folks that are there, and I'm sure they're processing um, global entry things. They're doing all sorts of stuff. So they serve food to them, and everybody else that happens to the area, they come out to get tacos. All right? No, no problem. And then they go on to the next location, as taco trucks do. Well, you get a handful of the so-called social activists, and it really is just a handful, a dozen or two dozen, who find out they're out at the ICE offices, the Homeland Security offices. How dare this taco truck, this company, go out and provide food, sell food to people who are, you know, working for Homeland Security? And again, it, it's only a couple dozen people, but as often happens, they take to social media and they start complaining, oh, this is terrible. How dare you go do this? Don't you know that these people that are working for Homeland Security are evil? How can you as a responsible company go out and serve them food? And in the space of, again, a couple dozen hostile postings on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, they issue, this is Lloyd Taco. They post a statement at the end of last week. All right, this is what it says, and I'm going to quote the entire thing. We're sorry. Yesterday, we made an honest mistake by serving lunch at the federal detention facility in Batavia. We're sorry. A few weeks ago, we received a request to serve at the facility, and we processed it using our standard intake procedure. Typically, that process helps us make business decisions we are proud of. Unfortunately, in this case, it did the opposite. Lloyd has deep ties to the immigrant and refugee communities in Buffalo. We work closely with Jericho Road and the International Institute of Buffalo as part of our hiring and recruitment efforts. And every year we look forward to participating in their Buffalo Without Borders fundraiser. There is no excuse for what happened. Again, what happened is they sent their food truck outside the, the, the ICE offices. There is no excuse for what happened, and we have already begun to update our internal procedures to ensure future truck stops and events align with our company's values. As part of our efforts to make amends and learn from this experience, we are donating all the sales from yesterday's service to Justice for Migrant Families. We know that words cannot change the past, and a donation doesn't make up for our lapse in judgment. Only time and future actions can allow our commitment to being a more thoughtful company. Today, we are sorry, et cetera, et cetera. So they issue this lengthy apology for sending the taco trucks out. Well, at that point in time, what happens is, now again, they did this in response to a relative handful of whining people on social media. After they put out this apology, the story really goes viral. And after the apology gets put out, they are flooded with more than 5,000 responses, nearly all of them angry. 
you know, saying, what are you doing apologizing? You know, saying that, you know, you're a non-discriminatory organization trying to be now you are now a discriminatory organization trying to be woke and appeasing fascist, violent, misguided left wing extremists. Moderates like my family once enjoyed your food. We will never buy from you ever again for your traitorous, anti-American, anti-law stance. So, I mean, they're, they're getting and that that's the tone of this instead of getting dozens they're now getting thousands of people saying what do you mean that you have to apologize for going out and selling food to people who work for customs seriously all right so in the face of this they then decide we got to apologize for the apology so yesterday the the owners show up at a hastily called news conference and say well we're 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 really sorry that we we did this and and our initial apology was hastily made and and maybe we had reacted too quickly to to criticism and you know we're we're big fans of the police too Okay, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This, to me, is one of the classic examples of how knee-jerk political correctness can appropriately come back and bite a company in the you-know-where. I think this company should have been ashamed of itself in the first place for apologizing for going out and selling food to people who work for the U.S. government, in this case, people who work for Homeland Security. And I'm not buying any of their apology for the apologies. These are folks that clearly, I I don't know, just don't have any sort of spine. They reacted to a handful of complaints, and now they're getting a lesson that there is a huge silent majority that's still out there in this country that doesn't want to cave into uh, again the forces of politically correctness uh, correctness and those who are perpetually offended okay 414-799-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line should this company have a poli- did they do anything wrong in going out and serving food at the Homeland Security offices. Again, it's not like they're in the offices. They're outside so the workers can come out and buy tacos. 414-799-1620. I say shame on them for apologizing for this in the first place. And I think this story should perhaps be a lesson to some of the other companies that just I don't know, quiver in response to, oh, we might get a couple bad postings on on social media. Well, in this particular case, they responded to the tyranny of the minority, and what they found is they really created bad feelings by getting political. 414-799-1620, should the taco truck have to apologize? Did they do the right thing by apologizing? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner on WGMJ. 414-799-1620. Brad and Slinger. Hi, Brad. Hi, Jeff. What do you think? You know, well, you know, I, I, first of all, I don't think they should have apologized in the first place. I'm, I'm fairly certain that nobody sat down at that company, the taco company, and said, well, you know, this is where ICE, you know, is based out right. of, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, um, they probably said, hey, we've got a request here. There's some business. It's a yeah. business. People want to go buy tacos. We're in the business of selling tacos. Let's send the truck out. Yeah. A- absolutely. Uh, with the request, especially. And then, you know, it's just another example, like you say, of this uh, political correctness just going way too far. 
I mean, lighten up people. Well, well, that, well, that's it. And, and, and this, to me, what I find fascinating about, thanks to call, Brad, what I find fascinating about this story is, is, is there, there is a brewing backlash, I believe, in this country to, to all this, this woke stuff that we have to be so concerned about what I describe as the tyranny of the minority, that there's somebody out there that might be offended by something. So here they, they do the perfectly legitimate thing, which is they're in the business of selling tacos. They go out to a business, they sell tacos. Well, some people get upset that we shouldn't be selling tacos at this business. I mean, they're, they're folks that work for the United States government. They have a right to eat lunch. But again, some of the woke people People of Buffalo get upset. It's just a handful. And then the company caves like a cheap suit. They fall all over themselves trying to apologize. Oh, we're sorry. We're sorry. And then what they find out is, you know, maybe by just going this to, to try to just cringe and cater to that that small minority, what they find is that there's thousands and thousands of people out there who don't buy into this wokeness, to this political correctness, and then you get the backlash. And that's kind of the lesson maybe that should be out there for all these companies. You know what? If your business is selling tacos, sell tacos. There's some text. 414-799-1620 is our number. Uh, and I, I have no sympathy for this taco company. I mean, to me, what they did was perfectly reasonable in the first place and to the handful of people who were whining and complaining that they decided to serve food to people who are employees of the U.S. government, well, what they should have told them is to go to you know where. That's what they should have told them instead of this half-baked apology. So they're getting everything they deserve. Here's some texts. Um, Jeff, these guys make tacos. They reacted and apologized to the first group that snarled, and then they reacted and apologized to the other group that snarled back. If they would simply stick to making tacos, everybody would be happy. If they're good tacos, you know, everybody should be happy. Jeff, the company that issued the apology for serving food to the government workers was wrong straight across the board. Absolutely. They shouldn't have apologized for selling to government workers, and no one with common sense would believe for a second their second apology. They deserve whatever economic impact they get as a result of their overreacting to the small number of people who want to make an issue out of everything, to which I say absolutely, you know, amen. Just, just amen. And this, this is the bigger point. And this is why I find it so fascinating. And this is why it's getting the national attention that it's getting. Huge story about this in the Washington Post today, right? The, the, this taco company, they are not victims in, in any sort of traditional sense. What they are is they're victims of their own lack of a spine. They are business people. And if we're really going to get to a point where we're going to say, all right, as a business person, you serve food. You decide that you're going to go and locate your food truck outside, in this case, the Homeland Security offices. But somehow in America today, that's something that you need to be ashamed about, that you need to discriminate because we can't sell to certain government workers. Well, nuts to you. I mean, you, you can have that business model if you want, but then I think you deserve to be called out. You know, and my guess is, and does this business come back from something like this? I, I don't know. But it's very apparent that they gave in to the tyranny of the minority. You get a couple dozen protests, and what you've done is you've hacked off thousands and thousands of people. And, you know, those people have every right to be upset and you just want to talk about just completely, completely, you know, missing the boat.
That's exactly what happened here. So this is the story of the taco trucks. The lesson for businesses is maybe you don't have to give in to every squeaky wheel that complains because maybe they're not really representative of you know the overall community. And when it comes to saying, well, nowadays we can't even serve food to people who work in certain professions, we're not going to serve people in law enforcement, we're not going to serve people who work for customs. Well, nuts to that. Maybe you don't deserve to be in business, and the free market will decide. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Is this the beginning of the end of college sports as we know it? Breaking news out of an NCAA Board of Governors meeting in Atlanta today. I I won't bury the lead. The NCAA, um, the Board of Governors, has voted this morning to modify the NCAA's current name, image, and likeness rules. In other words, um, apparently what they are prepared to do is allow NCAA athletes, college athletes, to accept endorsement deals. In other words, be paid for their likeness and image to be used. Now, th- this this is just the Board of Governors. It then goes to the NCAA schools to vote on, um, but it's it's possible that this could be in effect within the next year. Now, let, let's back up here. The rules say that college athletics athletes cannot be paid. All right, that, that's the rule right now. California, a couple months ago, passed a law which allowed athletes to sign endorsement deals with sponsors. They allowed them to attend autograph signings and be paid for this. And a number of other states are looking at doing the same thing. It appears that the NCAA is now moving quickly towards going to the California route. Now, and again, all the details, they haven't fully come up with the proposal of exactly what they're going to do, but it appears that they are going to be moved, at least recommending that the schools vote in order to move to this, this particular policy, which would allow athletes, again, to do endorsement deals. Now, let's, let, let's talk about this for just a minute. On the one hand, If you are a drama student at UWM or the University of Wisconsin, you're studying drama, and you get a part in a major motion picture, you you can take that part while you are still studying um, drama. You can take the part. You can take money for the part. You can do um, promotional things. You can do autograph signings. You can be paid. And then the next semester, you can still appear in a production on campus, despite the fact that you've done a, a movie. Athletes are not allowed to do that. Athletes are not allowed to do endorsement deals. If you have a video game company, for example, that wants to put together college basketball 2019-2020, and they want to you know, have all the different teams, and they want to use the likeness of the different players that are on the team, well, you know, they can license that right. They pay a fee to the NCAA, but the NCAA doesn't 
pay any of that, doesn't share any of that money with the individual athletes. The athletes get the scholarship, but they don't have a say over whether or not their name and likeness is used in the video game, and they don't get to share in any of the proceeds. This, of course, is going to go away if it appears the NCAA moves towards what what California w- was doing rather than try to fight it in the law. Now, here's the flip side of that. On the one hand, you can argue that it's just fair. I mean, you, you have these student athletes, and yes, it's true that they're getting a scholarship. That That's true, and there is a value to that. But the universities are making millions of dollars off of their names and off of their likenesses, and, and this isn't paying the kids, but if the kid's name and likeness has a value, they should be able to sign a deal. All right, that's the one hand, the fairness argument. The other, the flip side of this, though, is, okay, d- does this destroy college athletics? Let me let me give an example here. Let's say you have, let's not talk about a video game company. Let's say you have a wealthy car dealer who is a huge supporter of the local college team. And so what he says, here's what the car, the car dealer says. All right, I, I want us to bring in the best players in the country. And here's the deal. We bring in the best players in the country. And you know what? I'm going to hire them every weekend to show up at my car dealership. And I'm going to pay them each $50,000 a week to sit and, and sign autographs for people who come into my car dealership. All right. Now, you might say, well, that's great for the kids. But is this is this essentially just an indirect way to commercialize the whole process? And will kids now end up going to the highest bidder? Hey, you come out and play for UCLA and we've got all these great Los Angeles area sponsors and they're going to give you endorsement deals and they're going to put you on commercials and they're going to pay you a large amount of money. Does this essentially destroy college sports. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Should college kids, in this case athletes, should they be allowed to take endorsement money from sponsors? Should they be able to show up at autograph signings? Should they do endorsement deals? 414-799-1620. California says yes, and it appears that the NCAA is moving in that direction. Is this going to destroy college sports, or is this only fair? I'll tell you where I come down on this, and we'll discuss in just a moment, but I'm curious as to your reaction. 414-799-1620 is the number. Back to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 414-799-1620. That's the Accurate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is just breaking news. The NAA, NCAA, NCAA Board of Governors announcing that it's open to changing the rules to allow student athletes in college to be compensated for their image and likeness. Not paid for job performance, but compensated by sponsors. That's what the California law that went into effect or was passed a couple months ago would require. All right, here's a couple texts before we go to the phone lines. 414-799-1620 is the number. The money raised by college football and basketball programs goes to fund all the other men's and women's sports that don't make any money. Well, that that's correct. That That is correct. It also funds a lot of other things at colleges and universities. It's a huge cash cow. But I guess to me, that's not that's not the point. The, the point is, if you're a student athlete and 
all right, the, the university, for whatever it does with the money, is making a whole bunch of money off your image or likeness. I mean, don't you have a right to share in that? Or shouldn't you have a right to share in that? Um, and if you... If you decide you want to make the like you want the money for your likeness, why shouldn't you be paid for it? Again, the example I gave: you, you can be a drama student, you you can cut a deal, perform in a movie, get paid for that, and then still do a drama production at UW Madison. Why shouldn't athletes be paid? Will this dramatically affect college recruiting? It it will, especially for the best players. Now, look, the truth of the matter is, most players aren't going to generate somebody that's willing to come up and give them a sponsorship of $10,000 or $20,000 or more. That Most players aren't going to be in that category, but some some are. And, yes, I, I think if they're getting the money, it is going to change college athletics, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right thing to do. Ron in Brookfield. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Hi, Ron. What do you think? Well, I think that, as long as they're 18, and most college people are now, instead of being 17 or younger, that if they can defend this country and and, and do that, they have the right to make money off of their skills, their, mm-hmm. uh, like you mentioned, uh, whatever the college right. is making off of them. So that, that's just it, bottom line. Yeah. I mean, again, let, let's say you've got a world-class pianist who's studying, 18 years old, studying music at, at UWM uh, or UW. And what they do is they, they decide, hey, we're going to go on a tour where we're going to get paid. And then next semester, we're going to come back and we're still going to perform as part of a recital being put on by the music department. They can do both. You're saying, why should football players be treated differently? That's correct. And you know what? And like you said, some of them are going to get enormous amounts of money, but some of them are going to get maybe 100 or 200 bucks. Hey, everything goes towards college education and the right for them to use it the way they see fit. Well, right. I mean, thanks for calling. This is, I mean, there's, there's no question. I mean, part of the thing that I think drove California was the fact that a lot of these, a lot of the, the basketball players, the football players, et cetera, come from economically deprived areas. Not everybody, and I know I'm I'm generalizing, and the truth of the matter is a lot of these college players, the vast majority, don't go on to make millions of dollars in the NFL or the NBA. That's just that's just the reality of it. Most of them, you know, they're going to get if they're if they stay all four years, they're going to get their college education out of this, but that's that's going to be it. They're not going to be cashing in. So this is an opportunity. I mean, that's the thought to, to get them just a little bit of money. Um, Jeff, absolutely not. They already get a free education. They also get free housing. In my opinion, this would make them professional. Well, I, I think it would make them certainly semi-professional there's no question about it and look i i understand like i was saying earlier this changes the whole dynamic because what let what about the the kid who is the the one of the top 10 basketball recruits in the country and and now you have a school where you say well tell you what you come out to our school and yes you're going to get your scholarship but you're also going to have endorsement opportunities because we have all these boosters out there who would love nothing better than to hire you for autograph setting sessions or hire you to be the spokesperson for their car dealership and they'll pay you a ridiculous amounts of money that it, that's going to 
if that's what happens, it is going to change the dynamic. And, and that's why, you know, if you have individual states who are saying, we're, we're going to allow this, you almost have to have the NCAA respond somehow because it would give an incredible advantage to, for example, Cal- California athletes who could say, hey, come to UCLA. You know, we're going to have $100,000 in scholarship offer in in endorsement opportunities for you, or go to Duke and you're not going to get any. 414-799-1620. Troy in Wauwatosa. Troy, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Troy. Hey, I think, you know, for me, there's like two dynamics to this. One is, you know, I hear people saying, you know, the college athletes, they get this, you know, they get free room and board, they get to go to school for free and these things like that. And, you know, I played at Northern Illinois, but I'll tell you what, I'll trade that scholarship and that free school to have two good knees today. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, people don't understand that. That I mean, even though you get those things, there's wear and tear on your body, and there's things that you go through over years, concussion syndrome, uh, you know, different things that you that your body that takes a toll on your body. Right, and like I was saying, and, and, and most and most college athletes aren't going to go on to make a living doing it. That that's exactly. just that's just the reality. So it's not like there's this huge payday down the road. You're no. you're going to get you, and I'm not to. I'm you. You get your scholarship, you get your room board, you get your education, and there is a value to it. But it's not like you're going to be making millions of dollars down the line. No, and well, and then the other thing about that too is how many people do you know, and like, and I know who have degrees, but they don't even work in that field. Right. You know. So. Right. And then the second dynamic to this for me is that you know I do think that college players should be paid for their likeness and things that go into video games. You know, like. And I think it was 1991 or 92 when the first EA Sports college football game came out, and my likeness was on there. And we were all like, oh, yeah, this is great, and we're playing the game, you know. And I'm going, well, how much money are they making off our likenesses? Yeah. You know, and so I think, I think college athletes, if, 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 if your likeness is being used, that's you. Yes. So they're using you to promote their company and make money, you should be paid for that. I and, and you know and, and Troy, I agree with you completely on that. And and the mere fact that you play college football or basketball or whatever for a college team, you're you're providing your service, but that doesn't give my my opinion, that doesn't give the college the right to sell your likeness, your image, whatever to some third party that's then going to use that without getting an agreement from you. I see I, I agree completely. If, if they your image they should be able to use your image for whatever they're doing with the college because you're you're part of that college program but when it becomes off of yeah. something else like a video game yeah. or you know something interactive or whatever that your likeness and your image is being used you should be paid for that I, I, th- thanks God. I, I I agree I, and, and that's I mean and I in saying that I understand that this is going to change the nature of college sports I I, I do because again, you're going to have the bigger schools or the schools with the big donors. All of a sudden, you know, they're going to they're going to have an added advantage in trying to go out and recruit kids. And this is a step towards professionalism. I, I understand all that, but at the same time, I, I think it's just kind of fair. I'm trying to think if I had a kid and that that kid was playing you know college basketball and without his permission or consent all of a sudden the school was licensing his likeness to a third party to be used in something that the company was going to make money for and the school was going to make money for i'd say wait a second i I think my kid deserves a cut of this too larry in west bend larry you're in wtmj good afternoon i guess i've got a different opinion jeff Uh, as i look at it i think that it leads to the opportunity for this money 
that would be normally going to the school from the alumni and the boosters and such to be going directly to the uh, athletes. And yes. I think the schools as a whole could suffer for it. Oh, yeah. I, by the way, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I think that's I, I think that's that's going to be part of it. And one of the sticky things, Larry, is going to be are are the end is the NCAA going to come up with rules that make it improper for the colleges to I'm going to use the word conspire or collude with that car dealer I mean you know are for example will it be improper for the athletic director to say you know we're we're really trying to get Jeff in to play basketball like that would happen we're really trying to get Jeff in to play basketball so we would like you to agree to give him a hundred thousand dollar deal are are or does it have to be completely independent no I mean it, it, well, it could they, potentially they be a mess pardon me they yeah. do that for coaches and so forth already. If you look at when Bruce Pearl came in back to UW-Milwaukee, his compensation package was not just what the university was right. offering. It was all the different sponsorships that they had lined up for him. Now, if you take that to the student level, uh, yeah. where's the money that's going to be coming into the university? Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, thanks, I, I, I agree completely. Now, again, this, I, I, I think, again, you have to understand, I think for most for most, we're, we're talking about just the premier athletes, the, you know, that, that one, two, three percent. At least that's kind of what, what I think, because, you know, for most athletes, they're, they're not going to see the value. But, right, the devil is in the details as to how you implement it. I bring this up simply because, again, for the first time ever, the Board of Governors today, just you know, a couple hours ago, voted to at least explore this with the membership with a recommendation that yeah we're going to move maybe not as far as california goes but we're going to move in that direction it's possible that these could be the rules by by next year which does make it interesting for recruiting and you know are these things retroactive you know what by that i mean what about what about the kids that are in the program now Ah, the times they are changing this is jeff wagner Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It is no secret that if you drive anywhere, certainly in the city of Milwaukee, and pretty much anywhere now in Milwaukee County, unfortunately, you take your life into your hands. There, There is a, a penchant for people who are driving irresponsibly and we've all seen that i mean i could i could open up the phone lines for the next 30 minutes and we could take calls for people who can tell stories about how just in the last week undoubtedly driving on whether it's a freeway or driving on city streets or whatever they had a near-death experience typically you know people driving in stolen cars driving three times the speed limit blowing through red lights blowing through stop signs you name it it happens and we all say we need to crack down on reckless driving. Enough is enough. And, and th- there is a sentiment to that. This kind of came to a head, if you will recall, last Thursday. You had the, the small children, 530 at night, still light, crossing what it was, like 22nd and center, crossing the intersection. You had a car that pulled up to the intersection. Now, there were cars that were stopped at the red light. And what happened is this vehicle decided they didn't want to wait for the red light. It swerved around the cars that were stopped, blew through the intersection at a high rate of speed, hit and killed a six-year-old girl, injured um, her four-year-old cousin and her, her four-year-old sister and her 10-year-old cousin. They're, they're still in the hospital. And then the car just drove off. The people behind the wheel just, just took off. Um, 
and you know there's been like a, a manhunt going on for them the the people in the car were apparently arrested and taken into custody now they're they're at least as of when I sat down at noon they, I've been trying to follow this interestingly with the exception of channel 12 none of the other TV stations and the local newspaper really haven't been doing updates on on this information and that the DA's office is believed to be coming out at least sometime today with a criminal complaint and I've, I've been trying to hold off on doing this topic till I see the criminal complaint but I have a relatively good idea of what is going to be in there so I don't know if there's been formal charges yet this is what what channel 12 was reporting yesterday police took four suspects into custody after a hit-and-run crash last week killed a six-year-old girl and seriously injured two other children. They appeared in the Milwaukee County jail logs on Monday. The 19-year-old man, 19, who was believed to have been driving the car when it crashed into the children on 22nd and Center, was being held on a $750,000 bond. Uh, dot, 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 dot. Apparently, the Channel 12 story goes on to say, police said they found the older model gray Saturn aura believed to have been involved in the crime. Uh, apparently, the, the four men, four men were arrested Friday. Three of them are brothers. One brother was at home when Channel 12 News went to his home Monday. He said he and his brothers didn't do anything wrong. They didn't do it. They'll be released. He said he was the only he was only arrested after police searched served a search warrant at his home. Official charges haven't been filed against any of the men. In May, the 19-year-old, this would be the guy they think was driving, posted a 2009 gray Saturn Aura for sale on his Facebook page. DA's office said it was reviewing the case. Charges could be filed on Tuesday. So, as at least as of an hour and a half ago, there hadn't been formal charges that have been issued here, but they believe that they've caught the people that, that did it. And they believe, at least according to these reports, that the guy driving the car that hit and killed this gal, this this little girl, was 19 years old. So you have the hit and run. You have them then taking off. Okay, now let me just say this at the beginning. People, in this case, I don't think formal charges have come down yet. People are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law beyond reasonable doubt. That is, of course, a court of law. But we, we have the circumstances. Whether it's these guys or someone else, you, you know what the story is. It's going to be somebody 19 years old, don't know if there's a prior criminal record, don't know if there's a valid driver's license. But, but regardless, it's going to be something stupid like this and somebody behaving in a reckless fashion. Now, we've had a number of requests from politicians. I was listening to one county supervisor being quoted on our our air earlier today, uh, again saying, well, you know, we want to crack down on reckless driving, but, you know, the, the, we, we don't have enough money to do it, and, you know, the, the state isn't sharing enough revenue, and Tony Evers is saying, well, you know, I'm open to trying to give more money for, for reckless driving and stuff like that. And, and I guess my what I want to talk about with you is, are we really, really serious about this? And, and, and here's here's what I mean. I, I'm all in favor of public education campaigns saying, hey, don't speed, drive through red lights and hit and kill six-year-old girls. Oh, I'm all in favor of that. But let's be honest, that that's not going to solve the, the problem. It, it's just, it's just not. It's not an awareness thing because... I think anybody with the sense that God gave a goose knows that you don't blow through a red light at 60 miles an hour, you know, through a crowded intersection. The the problem is you have people behind the wheels of automobiles who just don't care. 
They, they think it's fun. They think it's cool. And all the billboards and, and all the education type of stuff isn't going to change that, at least certainly not in the immediate future. What is going to change this? Well, in my opinion, it's one thing and one thing only. And that is making a firm commitment that when we catch people engaged in incredibly dangerous driving, whether it's you've hit and killed a six-year-old girl or whether it's you blew through the intersection at 90 miles an hour and damn near hit and killed the six-year-old girl, unless we have a commitment to saying people who are doing this are going to get locked up and they're going to get locked up for a significant period of time unless we are willing to do that and make this commitment that we are going to start sending people who get behind the wheel of a several thousand pound automobile treat it like a weapon unless we are going to start treating them the same way we would treat other people who, for example, take other forms of weapons and use them in an irresponsible fashion, you can have all the billboards you want and it's not going to make a difference. And what I am legitimately unsure about is whether or not in this community we really have a commitment to holding people accountable. I mean, here, I mean, they, they allege that they there's a 19, that's the report, 19-year-old guy that, that's in jail. Are we going to put him in, now he, if the allegations are correct, they believe that he hadn't killed a six-year-old girl. Are we going to put him in prison for 30 years? Are we willing to take the person that the 18-year-old or the 17-year-old who drives through an intersection at 80 miles an hour, goes up on a curve, slams into another car and causes injury but doesn't kill somebody, are we willing to say we're going to put them in jail for 10 or 15 years? Because once we do that, you got to understand that then there's going to be all sorts of other people coming out and saying, oh, this is just such a wasted life. I mean, he made a mistake. She made a mistake. They're really just this wonderful kid. How can we, how can we punish them? You know, where are we going to put them. Don't you realize that prisons are for people who are dangerous? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. To me, if we're going to get serious about reckless driving, it starts out by saying no excuses. We are cracking down on the people that engage in this behavior. And we're not going to be talking about, gee, you get your license suspended for an extra six months because they don't care. Most of the people that do that, if they've got a driver's license, they don't care if they have one or not. I mean, at some point in time, you know, I'd love to see some reporter ask some of these politicians, all right, when we get the kid, the 17-year-old, in the stolen car, forget the stolen car, in the car, blows through the red light at 85 miles an hour and almost hits three cars, what are we going to do with them? Are you going to put them on double secret probation? Because if you do that, it's not going to work. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we willing, finally, once and for all, to start putting people who engage in reckless behavior with cars in prison before before they hit and kill six-year-old girls. 414-799-1620. I hope so, but I don't think we're there yet. We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 414-799-1620. I mean, I'm listening to this conversation about reckless driving and politicians pointing fingers. We need more money from the state and all that. Okay, for, oh, fine. But, but the bottom line is... 
I mean, it starts with taking the people that drive in reckless fashions and in putting them in jail or in prison. And I just, I don't think we've got the guts to do that. You know, I, I'm just picturing the story. Oh, it was a 17 year old and he just didn't, he just made a mistake and he didn't realize the consequences when he went 90 miles an hour through the intersection and almost hit, you know, the child. Okay. You, you hit and kill a six year old. All right. Then, then it's, it's evident what's going to happen. But, you know, every time somebody does something like that, it's there but for the grace of God that, you know, somebody doesn't get hit and killed i'm all in favor about cracking down on reckless driving i just think we've got these politicians who are giving it a lot of lip service because as soon as you start again really punishing people then you're going to get the you know other people in the community who come forward and say oh we just put the 17 year old in prison for 10 years really well yeah the answer is yes 414-799-1620 let's start with jeff in pewaukee jeff you're on wtmj hi thanks for taking my call sure I think we don't need any additional funding from the state. All we have to do is just pay attention to what goes on the freeway every day. I drive every day on the freeway, and there has never been a case where people just don't fly by me, in and out of traffic. Make those fines very expensive. I mean very expensive. You'll fund a lot more things. And then add on to that that if this is repeated within the next 120 days, you could lose your car. Yeah, you start. People start thinking about it. Well, right. Otherwise, and, and otherwise they're going to keep doing it, right? Oh, they do. They do it. I see it every single day, and three, four cars will go by me, switching lanes, and and it's 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 a hazard. And I avoid certain places, like the plague, go, of course. I'll, I'll go the long way before I take Silver Spring. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, because I know it's it's bound to happen at some point. Right. And for me, green when the light turns green, that means look again. Well, yeah, and, and count and count to five. No, th- thanks for the call. I guess, but I, and look, I, I I understand more fines and stuff, but you got But part of the problem is a a percentage. I don't know if it's a majority, but a, a percentage, and I would guess a good percentage, the people who are engaging in this type of behavior, they don't have licenses. They have, you know, they don't, they've never had a license or the license is suspended or it's revoked. They don't have the ability to pay fines. I mean, the only thing that's going to deter this conduct is to put them in jail or in some cases put them in prison because sooner or later this is going to happen you blow through red lights at 60 miles an hour sooner or later you're going to hit the six-year-old kid in the intersection sooner or later you're going to you know smash into the side of the the 70 year old couple that's you know driving to to visit their grandkids or whatever so sooner or later you know that this is going to end up happening i'm just saying that why don't we do it before you wait for that inevitable okay now somebody is dead and now you have to go to prison Let's get tougher sooner. But, you know, but that I just don't think our politicians, when the middle meets the meat, I don't think the judges have the guts to do it. I don't think the prosecutors have the guts to do it. And I think you have a lot of politicians who are just sensitive to, well, if we really prosecuted and got serious about putting people in jail when they go through the red lights at 90 miles an hour and almost kill somebody, then you'd have all the people saying, oh, don't you understand we're putting too many of this type of person in prison or too many of that type of person in prison? And my response would be yeah look if you're going to engage in this behavior that could kill me or kid could kill my wife or kid could kill you know some other innocent person yeah you you go to jail let's talk to ted in milwaukee ted you're on wtmj yes sir hi Hi, good afternoon and thank you for taking my call yes sir well the issue about this thing is uh, i i do work for the uh, public transportation and I, my my suggestion, I think, if 
I see that all the time. If I do write it down sometimes on the license plate number and the description of the car mm-hmm. and color, I, I think it would be a good idea to stop them because they're always flying all over the, like, the Capitol Drive, yeah. everywhere. I mean, I sometimes in the east side, they hit my, my, uh, my, my friends, yeah. and they, they were driving too fast. Or driving by shooting, yeah. and uh, this is the only way we can stop them. is just uh, take take note of the driver's license. Uh, I mean, the uh, license plate and the uh, description of the car. Yeah, well, right, and, and then, but I guess, and, but my point is, and I'm see, I'm all in favor of that. I'm all in, you know, and then this isn't a knock on law enforcement that goes out and aggressively does things. But when, I mean, what happens when you catch? I was telling the story about two weeks ago, Saturday morning, I'm driving on the freeway. I'm watching this car come up behind me, no license plates. I assume it's stolen. Looks like there's a kid behind it. They're, they're barely tall enough to see through the steering wheel. Passes me at 90 to 95 miles an hour in the right, it's not even the right lane. It's on the, the side of the freeway between Brown Deer and Good Hope Road. Stones flying all over. The car then loses control, swings across, goes all the way back over to the other side of the freeway, then, you know, rights itself. And then I watch it do the same thing. And I'm just watching this going, okay, somebody's going to die here. And, and yeah, it, it may very well be the person behind the wheel of the car, and that'll be too bad, but at least they've chosen, you know, they're, they're, they're making their own decisions. But it, it's like we got to get these people off the street, and, and what we're doing now doesn't work. And so when I hear all this lip service about, okay, we want more money to fight reckless driving, tell me what that means. Does that mean more money to put more cops on the street? I'm all in favor of it. Targeting, you know, areas where this reckless driving is. I'm all in favor of it. But don't, doing that unless you have a, a concurrent commitment to say, all right, once we catch these people, we're locking them up. Yeah, we're, we're not just sending them back out on the streets to do this a week or two later on double secret probation. And I guess my point is, I don't think we're there yet where we're really serious about willing to crack down and punish reckless drivers unless and until they do what you know happened last week where you have this guy that blows through the the red light and, and hits and kills a six-year-old girl let's talk to mark in kenosha mark you're on wtmj hey thanks for having me jeff Hi, mark you know i think it's high time we put our foot down and drew a line in the sand and said enough is enough how many people are going to need to lose their lives before we actually start enforcing penalties that are suitable for the crime. Right. And it doesn't matter whether it was a near miss or whether it wasn't a miss because that's just luck. Action, that's just right. That's just it's just exactly. dumb luck. Luck should, to, right. luck should not keep you out of, of jail or out of prison for, for doing something wrong. It, it should be something that suits the crime. And I don't think that even as a country, we, we just don't hold people accountable. We, we can't, you can't sit there and focus on any small issue like this. And, until yeah. we stop thinking that you can just get away with things just because nobody's catching you. Right, exactly. Or, right, that's exactly right. Just because you got lucky and, and, and you missed you missed the pedestrian there but for the grace of God. Your reflexes were a little bit better than apparently this 19-year-old's were or whatever. That, that should not be the determining factor. I guess... So, I mean, this is this is the big thing that I keep saying whenever I've been listening to this conversation about reckless driving for the last week, but also for months and months. I'm all in favor of this because the truth of the matter is 
All of us take our lives in our hands when we drive down certain roads. And I'm with one of the callers who says, I mean, there's, I, I grew up around here. There are certain roads that you couldn't pay me to drive on anymore. It just, it's just not because, again, you never know what is going to happen. I mean, Capitol Drive is just, okay, well, our office is right here. I'm sitting on Capitol and Humboldt. Do you think I would take Capitol Drive out to Highway 100? No way. Absolutely no way because you just never know what is going to happen. And, you know, you could be the best driver in the world, but it doesn't make any difference. You're in the middle of the intersection. You got the green light and then you have the idiot that smashes through at 85 miles an hour. I, I'm all behind these. Let's crack down on reckless driving initiatives. I, I'm there. But don't. Don't tell me, well, you know, we need more money for this or more money for that. Tell me how you're going to spend that money. And if you want to spend it on on more cops, I'm with you. I'm with you 100%. But that doesn't solve the problem. More cops doesn't make a difference unless we're going to say enough is enough and we're going to start putting the people that engage in this type of behavior behind bars and we don't care if it's a 17 year old you know kid who's a junior in high school or a 47 year old guy you behave like this you pay the penalties is that too much to ask this is jeff wagner Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Got distracted. I was talking to one of our sales guys in the hall about uh, the the Game Five flashers. That he said, "Are you going to do a follow up to that?" I said, "I don't, I don't know, but um, that's it." No, I've, we've got a number of things we want to talk about on today's program. This is this is one of these segments, and and whenever we talk about what is going on in Washington, I understand that. I pretty much find a way to irritate just about everybody. But that's one of the things about, you know, doing this as long as I've done it, that you, you it's kind of freeing. For example, all right, I think Republicans, starting with my friend Sean Duffy, are making a huge mistake in the way, in the personal criticism that is being directed at this Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vinman. Vinman is the guy who is apparently testifying behind you know, closed doors today. He's, he's a Ukraine expert. He's on the National Security Council. And he was one of the people who actually was listening in to that call that the president had on July 25th with the Ukrainian president. So this is one of the guys that's, that's on the call. And apparently, according to his statement, his take of this was that he thought what the president, the language the president used, was, was inappropriate. He said, I didn't think it was proper to demand that a foreign government investigate a U.S. citizen, and I was worried about the implications of, for the U.S. government's support of the Ukraine. Okay, that's that's what the guy says. Now, you can, that is his opinion, but he listened in on the call. And uh, again, you, you you can argue about, you know, did, did the president really demand that they investigate that the U.S. citizen, or did he request that? You know, you, you 
you know, reasonable people can disagree about that. But the guy, he's a Ukrainian security expert. He, he's a lieutenant colonel in the military. He listened in on the conversation, and that was his conclusion. And, I, I mean, I think that is a fair conclusion. Now, he's he's being roundly attacked. I mean, President Trump is describing him as, you know, one of the the never Trumpers. Um, former Representative Sean Duffy, who, you know, goes on, you know, CNN and challenges the allegiance of this particular officer. I mean, he, he says, this is what Duffy says, it seems very clear to me that he is incredibly concerned about Ukrainian defense. I don't know if he's concerned about American policy, but his main mission was to make sure that the Ukraine got those weapons. Um, okay, well, you know, the guy, his assignment and his job is to try to, you know, figure out what the best policy is for the U.S. government to the Ukraine. And and you look at the man's background. Um, he was, you know, originally born in Russia, came to the United States when he was three, you know, served honorably in the military for years and years and, and ultimately was assigned to the White House in July of 18 after a tour in the Pentagon. All right. So you you can disagree with his conclusions uh, about the, the phone call. But to attack this particular officer, his credibility, to attack him personally, to question his loyalty, I, I think it's just a, it's just a loser sort of thing. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, I think he had legitimate concerns about, you know, the president asking for this investigation. All right. So I, I think the Republicans make a huge mistake when they try to go after the character or the background of people like this guy who was listening in on the call. Huge, huge mistake. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean that the president committed an impeachable offense. I was watching a documentary the other day about Lyndon Johnson, President Johnson, and and Lyndon Johnson, perhaps more than any other president in, in modern times, and I include Richard Nixon, although Richard Nixon would be a close second, both of them knew the power of the presidency. And, you know, had no problems at all, uh, again, requesting favors in exchange for policy and, and things of, of the like. And, and my guess is what Lyndon Johnson and Richard Nixon did, um, as far as, you know, using the power of the presidency to decide who gets what or whatever, I, my guess is it paled, that, that whatever Trump did kind of paled in comparison to that, because Johnson and Nixon, they understood how government worked. I, I don't think Trump really does. And, you know, you have President Trump, who I think was very, very ham-handed in, in you know, what he was saying. And, and I, I, think, I think it was probably an inappropriate phone call. But as I've said before, I'm not sure. I don't believe at this point in time I see an impeachable offense there, which, you know, isn't to say that I thought his behavior was was appropriate. And he would have been better off to just steer away from this entire conversation and and not obsess about, you know, investigating Hunter Biden, who, you know, probably was, you know, trading on his influence. No question about that. But here's the interesting thing. That ship has now sailed we are now hurtling down the, the course for impeachment, and everybody in Washington is going to have to live with the consequences of this moving forward. There is a new poll that's out today. 
USA Today poll, Suffolk University poll. And interestingly, it kind of mirrors very much the the Marquette Law School poll that came out last week. Here's what it says. All right, they ask whether the president should be convicted by the Senate in an impeachment trial and be removed from office. 46% say yes, 47% say no. All right? In other words, the country, to the extent people have an opinion, is evenly split on this question. Now, when you had the impeachment hearings involving President Nixon, as more and more information came out, you, you, th- those number it wasn't 50-50. I mean, you had an overwhelming majority, to the extent that you believe polls, you had an overwhelming majority who thought that President Nixon had committed a crime and it was time for him to go. In the case of President Trump, the, the country's not there, and, and I doubt that the country is, is going to be there. You know, you've got the country very, very split, and again, it's pretty much a 50-50 thing. Our number, 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I think this is Nancy Pelosi, and it's been her concern all along, the fact that you do you move to remove and try to remove a president when a good portion of the country, maybe as much as 50%, isn't with you on that? Does it become, well, something that looks like a political witch hunt? Because I, I don't think the country's there on impeachment, and I don't think the country's going to be there on impeachment, especially, as I keep saying, the fact that we've, we've got a presidential election coming up in about 53 weeks. I mean, about 53 weeks, you know, the country's going to render its verdict on on President Trump one way or the other. I just don't think... I don't think you move forward with impeachment where you don't have an overwhelming majority of the country on your side. And that's precisely what I think we're going, where we're going. And that's why I think it is a fundamental mistake. I think it's bad for the country. And I I think I think we would be best to leave this up to the electoral process. Let the electorate decide one way or the other, as opposed to spending the next three to six months while we're in the electoral season, while we're already in the election season, spending the next three to six months arguing about what was the meaning of a particular phone call and whether or not the president committed an impeachable offense. Because I tell you, I, I don't think I don't think the country is ever going to agree overwhelmingly that this phone call constituted an impeachable offense. It's not like, hey, we've got the Watergate burglars. I've got an access to a million dollars. Let's give that to them so they don't talk. 414-799-1620. That is the accurate mortgage talk and text line. Do I think President Trump was ham-handed in this call? Absolutely. Do I think he should have steered clear of it? Absolutely. But you know what? I, I think you can go back and you can look at a lot of conversations that a lot of presidents have had over the years where 
they are trying to use their influence and their power to try to benefit, I don't know, themselves or the re-election campaigns or whatever that were arguably as bad. But more importantly, I just don't think the country, a majority of the country is ever, overwhelming majority, is ever going to be at the impeachment process saying, yes, let's go ahead. I think the vast majority of people say, let's vote a year from now and we'll vote the bum out or we'll return him because he's been the victim of a witch. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and text line but it's just it's it's going to be ugly over the next four or five six months and i just don't think it's good for the country and i also don't think we're going to get anywhere all right we discuss in just a moment you're listening to jeff wagner on wtmj through producing the show today and always i have one of my favorite texts this is it jeff we all know you have always been a never-Trumper. You're a rhino. One of the reasons I rarely tune into your failing program anymore. <laughs> have, have, just, just have you say, oh, by the way, that failing program, next Monday, twenty. Uh, we start the 22nd year full-time of the program, 22 years. That's the failing program there. It, on, on Monday, it's 22 years full-time. Um, I've been at TMJ for a little bit longer, but full-time, 22 years. I rarely tune into your failing program anymore. You're nothing but a rhino. And then, of course, I could read you the text about how dare you say anything nice about President Trump. Don't you realize it's the Antichrist? Huh. 414-799-1620. Rick in New Berlin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, you know, I agree with you on the... Uh you know, the divide of the country and all that. But, you know, I think as this thing unfolds with uh, Rudy Giuliani, him crawling around with those two other guys and all that money, it's just something sounds fishy. And then this call, Mm -hmm. that whole thing stinks. It's kind of like the Nixon thing at that point. I think you're old enough to remember that. I am. You know, Nixon did some great things while he was under all that pressure. He signed a treaty with... uh, Russia, he made uh, the deal with China, and there was something else in Israel. I just can't remember that. But you know, but Nick, Nixon was clearly a crook, and and Nixon right. did something that people understood. Uh, the, the hush money for the burglars. I, I, I think this is a much tougher sell. Plus, Nixon was, right. you know, I, I just, I guess, I, I just. I think we're going to spin our wheels for the next six months, and and nobody's going to be happy with the outcome of this one way or the other. Okay. All right. No, thanks. For, well, I mean, I, but I preach. I mean, look, I, 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 I just, I, I just, I don't see this as being analogous to the Nixon stuff. By the way, um, I'm not a fan of Rudy Giuliani, and I mean, I've told the story before. I mean, I. I sort of knew him. He was the U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York when I worked for the U.S. attorney's office here. And, and you know, he was kind of like this legendary crime fighter and stuff. If, if I were President Trump, I would have... Early on, I would have just distanced myself so far from Rudy Giuliani because he's become a complete and total loose cannon. At the same time, President Trump, through his history, has employed, you know, loose cannons to do stuff that other lawyers wouldn't do. I mean, you know, you, you just look at some of the guys that he's, you know, he's hired to surround himself with, and, you know, some of those people are in jail now. Jeff, it was 50-50 for impeachment the moment Trump was elected. Nothing has changed. Half the country is happy he's president. The other half of the country will do anything to get rid of him. They need to just let the election of 2020 happen, and it will determine everything else. I, I You know, I think there's, I think there's a lot 
to that. Um, that I, I just I don't know that I see where this I, I don't see where this is is going. And I and I, I understand the hostility on on both sides. I just, I, I guess I kind of want it to end, and I want, I, I'd like us to concentrate on the issues that matter, should matter to a lot of us, which is, gee, you know, what's going to happen to Social Security, and, you know, what's going to happen to tax policy, and how about educating our kids? 414-799-1620. Terry on the south side. Terry, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. Jeff. Hi, Terry. Hey, like I was telling the uh, screener, I uh-huh. think that if 50%, it the other callers say it's just, of course, it was as soon as he was elected, it was 50%. I think that if it was more like 70 or 80, that if people, everyone was just walking around and we just couldn't stand it, I think there'd be a case. But like I was telling your screener, I, I call it like tailgate investigating or policing. It's like if, a, if an officer followed you long enough on the road, he would find something that may seem incriminating or a reason to pull you over. Mm-hmm. And I think that this just sets a dangerous precedent because from here on out, we can just do that where... Well, we'll just witch hunt and witch hunt and witch hunt until we find something. I mean, what are we going to yeah. do and just impeach the next 45 president? Well, yeah, I mean, because there, I mean, impeachment has always been a political process. And, and to your point, Terry, I think Republicans made a huge mistake in going after Bill Clinton in his second term. I mean, I think there was a huge boomerang effect and it, it back, it was a backlash, not because he didn't perjure himself under oath. He did. He perjured himself under oath. But the American people weren't ready to remove him from office for lying about having an affair with an intern. They just weren't, they weren't there. And right. I, I just, you know, maybe it's closer on, on this one, but I just, I don't think the, the, the amount, the number of people you need in this country to upturn an election, I just don't think the American people are there on this one either, and I don't think they're going to be. Right. I think it's the same thing with, like, the racism thing. If you call everything racist, nothing is racist. If everything the president does is impeachable, then nothing he right. does is impeachable. Well, yeah, and I mean, thanks. To, you, I mean, right, you know, you had, you had Republicans talking about, well, we want to impeach Obama because of, you know, his executive orders and things like that. And, again, that's why impeachment is is a political process. And to me, to me, you remove a president – if they have committed a high crime or a, a misdemeanor. That, that's the bottom line. Richard Nixon, clear. Obstruction of justice, absolutely. Paying hush, you know, organized. There's a burglary that goes on. You find out about it two days afterwards, and you decide to use the machinations of government to try to pay off these people to cover it up. People understood that. Everybody agrees that it's a, it was a crime. And, okay, so so the American people are there with you on, on that. This particular thing, Donald Trump is on a phone call with the president of the Ukraine, and he says, hey, I'd, I'd like you to do me a favor. And then later on, he says, you know, I, I, we're getting all this stuff about corruption. I, I'd like to see if you could get to the bottom of this Biden thing. All right. That do do I think that that was an inappropriate comment? I do. I, I I really do. And I understand why some of these professional folks were, you know, concerned about that. Do I think that's something that rises to the level of impeachable offense? I, I don't. I, I really don't. And I don't think the American people are going to be there in the type of numbers that you need to justify an impeachment proceeding. But that's just me. This is Jeff Wagner.